Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the Senior Pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. We're living in a world where everybody wants to be a somebody. That's what the rat race is all about. Everyone wants to be a somebody. We want people to sit up and take notice of our achievements. We like people to acknowledge us for what we have done or what we are doing. We all want to achieve success. But how we gain success is the most important thing. So the message I bring to you this morning is the blessing of being nothing. You like me to repeat that? The blessing of being nothing. When I talk about the blessing of being nothing, I'm not talking about not doing anything or having anything. Not doing anything is idleness. Not having anything is poverty. But the blessing of being nothing is the secret of God filling us with His fullness. God is a creator. And we see God created this world out of nothing. Can you say the word nothing? He created this world out of nothing. God works with nothing. We all need something to work with. God doesn't need anything to work with. He knows how to make something out of nothing. And if you're here this morning, hopeless, dejected, given up on life, no more hope in life, you're in the right place because God is so used to working with nothing. In fact, if you were something, he reduces you to nothing and then he makes something out of you. Can somebody shout an amen? Because that's the way he works. God never creates something out of something. He always creates something out of nothing. So there is a value in being. You see, this is a cup, empty cup. If this cup is filled with stones, does it have any value? No, not much value. Can you put anything in it? Nothing. You can't put anything in it. But the minute this cup is empty, it has purpose. It has purpose when it's empty. You can pick it up, put some diamonds in it. How many of you want the cup then? <laughs> we'll all grab it. Suddenly the value and the worth changes by what's put in the cup. You can use it for whatever means you want to use it for. So being nothing... It's important for God to fill us with something. And if you want to be available for the purposes of God, we need to be in a place of, 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 and that's the most difficult thing. I've been thinking, we've been asking God, fill us, fill us, fill us, and I'm not, and I'm not too sure whether that's the right prayer. What we need to be praying is saying, God, empty us, empty us, empty us, so he can fill us. 
Because God can't fill someone who's already filled. And we can be filled with dash, 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 you know what. And we can be so preoccupied, and our lives can be so crowded that there is no more room for God to pour whatever He wants to pour into our lives. So we're going to first look at the life of Jesus briefly, then look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and then see how our lives can be touched and transformed. Come with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 9. And here's an exhortation that the Apostle Paul uh, is giving with regards to, to Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now we could stop there and have church. So much of what we do is about selfish ambition. And this is contrary to the world's thinking. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Conceit is, is excessive pride in oneself. That's what the meaning of conceit, uh, conceit is. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. God designed us to live in communities. God designed us to live in relationship with one another. And that was a good introduction for my message this morning, what Anika shared this morning. He never made us to be isolated beings. And so when we are in relationship with one another, learn to value others more than yourself. In your relationship with one another, verse 5, have the mind, same mindset as Christ Jesus. And verse 6 explains what that mindset is. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself Who's this talking about? It's talking about Jesus. He was equal with God. There was no lack in heaven. He came down and took a human form and made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, an attitude of a servant, an attitude to serve and to bless and to give and, and uplift people, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And then verse 9, therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, it's there for a reason. Therefore. So it says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name which is above every name. From nothing, he became something. From a servant, he became a king. The secret of living our Christian life is when we become nothing, God makes us everything. That's why success is ultimately the goal in the heart of every person. How you achieve it is what makes the difference. So here's the deal. 
We empty ourselves and God fills us. The choice is what we, we make. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. Uh, this helps us to understand this passage a little more. Same passage, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who, although being essentially one with God, Jesus, one with God, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God as a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave. In that, he became like man and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God had highly exalted him and has freely bestowed upon him the name which is above every other name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. See, Jesus came into this world taking on a human form to show us how a human being should live. He demonstrated in human form how to live the Christian life with the presence of God in him. That's why this is like a sequence to what I shared on 31st night. Humility is being nothing so that God can fill us with something. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, The Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now, this was quite staggering for me. Now, this is Jesus Himself saying, I can do nothing. What hope do you and I have? You know, when people talk about preaching the word, evangelism, sharing, praying for people, spending time with God. They say, you know, not me, not me, not me. But actually, the Christian life or the church is never to be a display of what we can do. The church is always to be a display of what God can do through us. If the church is full of human initiatives and human effort, then we're running an organization, and that's not the church. If your Christian life is all about your initiative, your effort, you don't need God. And that's why people don't pray, because they feel they don't need God. They're doing a good job on themselves. Are you there listening to me? But when you come to the end of yourself, God becomes everything to you. That's when you cherish the wonders and the working of God in you and through you. And Jesus is saying this, I can do nothing. Think about it. He's saying he can do nothing. Every miracle he accredited to his father. Every healing he accredited to his father. Every deliverance he accredited to the father. Everything he said, he says it's not me, but it's the father that's living in me. That's the way God wants us to live as Christians. I know I'm taking this to another level, but this is what it is, and this is what it has been all along. Our Christian life is about God working in us and through us. And uh, when we come to a place where we recognize 
in ourselves, there's very little we could do. You see, Jesus was everything. He had to become nothing. The problem with us, we are nothing and we want to be everything. So we have to work the reverse. And that's why the striving, that's why, you know, the competition, the envy, the jealousy, because we are nothing, struggling to survive and be something. Jesus depended on the Father 100%. Jesus didn't say this only for himself. He said this concerning us also in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the wine. You are the branch. What are we? What are we? Uh, what value has a branch has? Tell me. Does a branch have any value? Especially if it's dried and thrown at the side. Its, on, its only value is to fire, put it in fire or burn. And so here's an, an illustration. Here's a picture that Jesus is giving us. He is the vine. We are the branches. And if the branch is disconnected from the vine, we all know basic biology is destined to die and become a twig and then of no value. There is life flowing from the vine into the branch only when it's connected. And so Jesus is giving us this picture of what life should be for us. I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me, how many of you want to be a branch? Put your hand up. You got to remain in him to be a live branch. So he says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Fruitfulness comes by abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in you. Now this is something that the whole New Testament it talks about. We in Christ and Christ in us. Can we say this after me? We in Christ, Christ in us. I in Christ, and Christ in me. And so that's what the Christian life is. That's our perspective in life. And so he says, unless you remain in me and I in you, you will not bear much fruit. Apart from me, we can do nothing. God wants us to be dependent on him, connected with him. You see, your daily reading and your time spent with God was never to be a religious activity. Never to be a religious activity. Your time spent with God was always meant to receive nourishment, to receive wisdom, to receive goodness and, and life from the wine. That's what our relationship with God is. Always stay connected because He is our lifeline. That's where wisdom flows. That's where good things happen. You're receiving from God. And you know one thing about God? He knows science. He knows maths. He knows biology. He knows business. He knows everything. That's the amazing thing. And so you can go to him with whatever the problem is. And he will give you something that you've never thought of. It takes you to another level. How did the apostle Paul live? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. For we do not want you to be ignorant. He's telling the congregation, I want you to know what my journey is. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of all our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength. Look at the words. Burdened beyond measure. 
Anyone feel like that this morning? Burdened beyond measure. Can't handle the struggles and the tensions. Above our strength. So we even despaired of life. That means gave up on living. Came to an end and saying, what this life is all about. So overwhelmed, so burdened, and above his strength that he despaired. He says, what this life is all about. Verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death. Say the last two words. We have the sentence of death in ourselves. Look at me. Paul says we were overburdened. We are beyond our strength. We've given up on life. There was a sentence of death in ourselves. That means he came to a point Nothing, nothing, nothing in his human ability can cause him to tide over this situation. Come out of the situation. Nothing. The death sentence was in himself. His, his ability, his confidence was so shaken. He didn't have any more confidence in himself of how he would overcome the pressures of life, how he would have victory in the midst of of trials and difficulties. He says, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Now, okay, let me read. That we should not trust in ourselves. I mean, no money, no contacts, no influence, no family. How's that for you? I mean, nothing. He came to an end of himself that he should not trust in himself, but in God who raises the dead. You know, when we come to the end of ourselves, we want to become stronger. So we want to become more wiser and we study. When we come to an end of ourselves, we're so desperate that we'll say, who can help me? Who can help me? Who can help me? And it's like a little worm struggling to survive. And find strength. But you know what? The greatest blessing that we all can learn, including me, consistently God has been dealing with my own heart in this area, to carry along with me a sentence of death in myself. Absolutely no confidence in our ability. So some of you are struggling and saying, I can't do it. Praise God you can't do it. That's why God wants to use you. Some of you are saying, I will never do it. Praise God he's the one he choo God chooses. Because he's not looking for those who can do it because you'll mess up God's plan. You will make, an, you will make God embarrassed. <laughs> he's looking for someone who will say, I cannot. I am overburdened. I am unable. I am weak. I am useless. And God says, hey, I found nothing. And now I can craft out something from this individual's life. Somebody shout an amen. You know, I looked at people around. And I didn't plan to say this. I was so, so worthless. That's how I was. That's how my background was. I will look at the mirror and say, what a waste this man is. That's the way I looked at myself. I had nothing. 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 Absolutely nothing. 
And when God touched me at 21, I gave up my dreams and took God's dream. I never regret it. Now I know why he chose me. He says, out of this nothing, I have hope to do something. Do I have takers here this morning? I'm going to continue with this as, as we go on Sundays after Sundays. You are in the making of God. Are you listening to me? You are in the making of God. When you are hard-pressed with circumstances, please, for God's sake, don't become strong in yourself. Don't try and become more wiser. Stop Googling and start praying and get in touch with God. The minute someone says something, Google. Google has become more than God. We want to know. We want to accommodate. We're still eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Stop eating from that tree. Start eating from the tree of life. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Eat from the tree of life. I don't need to know knowledge of evil and, and, and uh, evil. I need to know knowledge of God. I need to know what the tree of life is saying. This mystic, that mystic, this medicine, that medicine, let them Carry on with the inventions. I have only one tree to eat from. One tree is the tree of life. Where is that tree? His name is Jesus. His word is his word, the Bible. Eat from that tree and you will be nourished. It says all hardships, and I was wanting to get, convey this to you for a long time. All, say all hardships. In my life, is for God to teach me only one lesson. Die to my self-confidence and trust in him. If you learn that lesson, he wouldn't put you to the grind anymore. But till you learn that lesson, you will put, into the, put to the grind. He will squeeze you and squeeze you till you say, God, I'm nothing. Say, how long it took. <laughs> but don't worry, it took Moses 40 years. 40 years it took Moses. I didn't want, I won't have time to get into Moses' life. We'll do it some other time. Cherish the moments of your weakness. Can you do that for this year? Cherish the moments of weakness. You know these worship leaders here? You, uh, they never even dreamt that you stand up and lead worship. That's why they qualify. Those who come and say, I can do it, you wait a little while. God's still working on you. He's still working on you. It goes on to say in verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death, spiritual death, spiritual damnation, and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. This is the Apostle Paul's life. Educated, learned man. Pharisee of all Pharisees. Righteous in his own eyes. Hebrews of, of the Hebrews. He's talking about sentence of death in ourselves. We must carry the sentence of death in ourselves. In ourselves. Our ability, our wisdom, our self-effort. And that's when we begin to rise up in a confidence that is in God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. This is the same words of the Apostle Paul. I have been crucified with Christ. Who? Say it loudly. 
That is the killer in your life. Who? Good. Say it loudly. I want to have a chat with the worship team. Sometimes Charles is flashing, especially the worship leaders. All our worship songs are so eye-centered. We must change that. We must change it. As if the whole world exists only with God in you. And everyone standing by, you, by, by the side doesn't count. I will worship you, Lord. I will long for you. And I, hey, what about your neighbor? Heaven is not going to be I. Heaven is going to be we. You know, the world is only bothered about one person. Can you guess who that one person is? Say loudly. I. Loudly. Aye, that's all they worried about. That's where selfish ambition comes. That's where competition comes. That's where jealousy comes. It all comes from? I. Good, you know your, your lessons. It's I. It's our ego, our self-confidence, our ability. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. The I, the old self, the old confidence, the one who could get up and talk and, and do things is crucified with Christ. And then he goes on to say, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He was more aware of what was in the cup than what the cup was about. When we get to be more aware of God in us than just us, that's the beginning of our Christian life. That's the beginning of our Christian life. Why do we struggle with sin so much? Because we're more concerned about our flesh rather than God living in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. When you have no confidence in yourself, this is the result. Look at what he says. But we have this treasure. In jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You see, he looks at his life as a jar of clay. And that's true, we came from dust. Look at the person next to you. Just look at them, they were just dust. That's it. So much of time we make up. So much of time we look for to dressing up some dust. We have this treasure. Which treasure is he talking about? Christ dwelling in him. The Holy Spirit dwelling in him. And when he was so caught up with the treasure in this jar of clay, he says, what happens? This all-surpassing power, the power that saves people, the power that heals and sets people free, the power of God in you, will be so manifest that people will know the power is not from us, but it's from God who's living on the inside of us. That's what this verse is saying. He's saying that. See, that's why it's important, if we're going to live in the fullness of God, that we must be so empty, all of us including me, so empty, so God can fill. The more empty we are, the more he can pour into our lives, the more we can receive from him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Nothing to boast. Nothing to boast. So many times I, I, I think of this. Look, I have nothing to talk about in terms of my transformation. If I quit habits... If there is any little bit of change in my life, it's because 
He is at work in my life. And I'm not saying this because I'm preaching. It's true. It's true. I mean, I've tried so many years to do things I couldn't do it. And yet when God, when you yield to him, he comes, he transforms us. You look, hey, where did that go? That, that went, that disappeared. Why? Because it's him. It's him. If you can be a good person without God, then you don't need a savior. Why do we need a savior? Why is Jesus called savior? He wants to save us from our sin. We cannot overcome. We cannot fight the enemy. He comes to rescue us and transform us so that we have victory over sin and the enemy. I looked up the dictionary meaning. You know, we all have an idea of what boasting is. And we think, oh yeah, boasting. Looking at the dictionary, Oxford Dictionary, English, Oxford, Ordinary Dictionary. No Hebrew, no Greek, simple. Here, this is what the meaning of boasting is. Talk with excessive pride. Talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. I think we all are guilty of this sometime or the other. Till we tell people what we do, we can't keep quiet. Somewhere we think by pushing that and, and talking about it will change the opinion in someone else's mind about us. James chapter 4 verse 16 says, But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. It comes from the enemy. Boasting is only the fruit of conceit or pride in a person's life. That's what boasting is. It's only the manifestation of pride in an individual's lives. Now, here's this that you can pay attention to. Proud people are the ones who always boast that they are self-made people. You heard people talk about that? You know me, I'm a self-made man. My hard work, I did this, I did this, I did that. I'm a self-made man. Proud people will always talk about them being self-made. They, they accredit their success to their hard work, their wisdom, and their ability. For them, their confidence is in themselves. And that's what pride is. Pride is confidence in yourself. That's what it is all about. You see, James chapter 4, the Bible says, God resists the proud. A proud man will never pray because he doesn't feel the need for it. A proud man will never look to God for wisdom or trust in God. Why? Because he's so filled and confident about himself. So pride is confidence in yourself. Isn't that the spirit of the world? Isn't that what people tell you? And people are going for classes and paying money to hear what? Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. And you go before your exam. I believe in myself. I believe in myself. That's a bigger problem. And Christians are saying the same thing. God help you. Because the more you believe yourself, the more God resists you. The more you humble yourself and come to nothing, the more grace is available to you. So, a humble person is one who makes their boast in God. They accredit, they acknowledge that everything that happens, happens because of the grace of God. God's wisdom, God's resources, God's provision, that's a humble man. Their, their confidence is in what God can do in a hopeless situation. And that's what humility is about. 
Humility is about, a, is about our confidence placed in God. So, you know the word confidence is such a crucial thing. Our confidence in ourselves leads to pride. Our confidence in God leads to humility. That's it. Humility is not the way you dress. I mean, we can fool anyone with our dress. It's about an inner confidence that determines your humility, your dependence on God. And that's why the Apostle Paul says that I have been crucified. There is a sentence of death in ourselves, in our ability. And now he learned in his hardships to put his confidence in God who raises the dead. Why did he say raises the dead? Because the situation is so hopeless that he thought of dead people rising and said, God, if you can do it for a dead person, you can do it for me. Even the dead can speak to us. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise and skillful person glory and boast in his wisdom and skill. Let not the mighty and powerful person glory and boast in his strength and power. Let not the person who is rich in physical gratification and earthly wealth glory and boast in his temporal satisfactions and earthly riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me personally and practically, directly, directly discerning and recognizing my character. Isn't that nice? Let the person boast in God. He knows me practically, directly, recognizing his character, that I am the Lord who practices loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. You see what he, he delights in? I have confidence placed in him. So what's the conclusion? What is the blessing of being nothing? That looks like a contradiction. Nothing and blessing doesn't go together. Something and blessing goes together. But I purposely titled this the blessing of being nothing. Another title could be the secret to being filled with the fullness of God. But I just want to drive home this Nothing, the blessing of being nothing, leads you to having everything. You like that? You see the blessing in it? The blessing of being nothing leads you, positions you to have everything. Everything in this life and the life to come. You like that? Any takers for this insurance policy? You know, I have dwelt on the subject for years. God been dealing with my own heart. And I realize the only character that we could develop in our heart that's richly, highly rewarding is the key to, is, is humility. Are you listening to what I'm saying? God never promises anything to those who are gracious. He'll be gracious to you. He never promises anything to, to those who love. You'll, you'll have God loving you, you others loving you. But when it comes to humility, God says, I delight in this person. One character. You know, so what? If you're a newcomer and if you're coming to the church, you just begin to understand all your life spent on one character being humble. And you see the richness 
of the provision of God and the blessing of God in your life. Let me show you some scriptures. I'm not talking off my head. Listen to the scripture. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are all the three things that we're striving for. What's the first one? Riches. You like riches? Paisa. You like it? What's it? Riches. What's the first one? We all can do with some? You're thinking. The first one is riches. The second one is, you like some honor? You walk in the company, you go somewhere, someone respects you. They treat you with honor, there's favor on your life. How many of you want that? God gives it to us. And there is life. You know what life is? Abundance of life. That's why Jesus came. Life is God kind of life. Joy, peace, wholeness. I mean, it's life. It's his life. God says, I'll give it to you. All we need to do is humility. That humility comes out of the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Because he resists the proud, but he gives grace, much grace to the humble. And here's another one. When we are nothing, he exalts us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 7. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Therefore, because of that, humble yourself. Make a decision. Don't do what I, I did. You know what I did? I looked at Proverbs 22. This is one key verse that's on my wall. Because I looked at it and I said, I was in such a pitiful state that I said, Lord, I desperately need riches. I desperately need honor and I need life. Real life. And so I said this to myself. I was so convinced if God said it in his word, I banged my fist on the table and I said, from today on, I'm going to be humble. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. <laughs> it took me one year to realize what I did. And then I said, God, no sign of riches, no sign of honor. And then God replayed that, what I did. Humility can never be achieved by ourselves. You see, any time you put confidence in yourself, you're moving away from humility and you're moving into pride. So that was even a proud act, banging the table and saying the right thing. Some of us are so proud of being humble. <laughs> you know, that's not humility. <clears throat> humility will be tested to what extent you can trust God. You must have heard me say this. Our Christian life is not how much we know, it's how much we can believe. How much we can believe. That's why Jesus kept hopping this whole thing with the disciples. Believe, believe, believe. Because our life is revolving around our belief. And it says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Whose sight? God's sight. What will he do? What will he do? He will lift you up. He will exalt you. He will exalt you. And all we need to do is be in that place of humility before the Lord. He will exalt you. It's not a promise. This is not a promise. It's a statement that God is making. In fact, if you read the scriptures in the Gospels, Jesus says something even more profound. The, the humble I will exalt, the proud, what will he do? He will humble. So, uh, uh, we're not much of a winner. If you're a humble person, God will exalt you. If you're a proud person, he says, okay, I'll play the other role. I'll make sure we you know, he works on our, on our pride and brings us to a place of humility. But the secret of being filled 
with the fullness of God as being like this cup, which is empty. Empty. That's why the Bible calls us as vessels. Vessels. Vessels not full of ourselves, but vessels that are empty of ourselves so that we can be filled with God. You're blessed this morning. I want us to stand. We're going to sing a song, worship the Lord. And I want you to talk to God this morning. Talk to Him. Some of you have come to the end of yourself. Some of you are struggling. And you find this growing hopelessness in your life. If you can only trust in God, He will craft on for you an amazing future that you never even dreamt about. And that's the challenge for you this morning. for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com